I confess. I love to masturbate under the fall full moon, especially when next to the campfire. I sneak out and do it every chance I can. My boyfriend just thinks I like sitting outside a lot. I confess, sometimes I like to play video games with a dildo in my ass. I confess, cargo shorts turn me off, but mullets turn me on. (laughs) I confess, my lady and I have started a tradition of me fingering her in the back of every Uber ride (laughs) while I carry on a conversation with the driver. (laughs) Hashtag good times. Welcome to Bedpost Confessions! Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a storytelling show based in Austin, Texas. Whether the stories are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, The anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. I'm Bedpost producer Sadie Smythe. We are excited to welcome back to the stage and the podcast, Adam Maurer. Managing depression with sex is part of Adam's self-care, but his perception of self was thrown once he caught feels and come and connection. One more thing before Adam's story. All Bedpost storytelling productions are made accessible to deaf audience members by the fantastic interpreters from Soul Illumination. Though the interpreters are there to serve the deaf, they enthrall the entire crowd with their beautiful expressions of American Sign Language. If you hear a roar of laughter and don't understand why, the interpreter may have stolen the show for a minute. On with the show. catch the feels for someone you are just having a good time and then one day out of nowhere you're all like oh fuck (laughs) do I like a person fuck me I do god are you punishing me is this because I'm prettier than you (laughs) the fucking feels man that's what this story is all about Well, that and depression. So just a heads up, I'm going to talk about suicidal ideation tonight, and that shit can be triggering for individuals. So if you uh, are not up for that story, that is okay with me. Sometimes I wish depression wasn't a part of my story. If you need to quietly excuse yourself, please take care of you. Now, if you came here with a person or some people and are hoping for some juicy-ass erotic stories to light some frisky flames of desire, honey, I'm going to try to make depression real sexy for you. (laughs) I have had depression since I was a kid, and over the years, I've learned a great deal about it. I think of depression as being on a scale from 1 to 10. One being the common thought that if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to deal with any of this bullshit. And 10 being, I have a plan to take myself off of this rock and, and I'm going to carry it through. 
the lower end of the depression scale, it's more passive suicidal ideation. And it gets more active as it moves up the scale. Now, two things tend to activate my depression. Feeling disconnected from myself, people, places, and things, and or feelings of being out of control. Both will invite me to feel more depressed. When combined, it can happen quickly. So I've learned all sorts of ways to manage my mood. Some people use connection with loved ones and therapists. Some utilize behavioral changes, such as working out or finding a new job. Some turn to medical interventions, such as prescribed medications. I focus on connection with others, as well as behavioral changes to help me manage my depression. Medication isn't yet an option for me. The potential sexual side effects are far too great a cost. No shade to anyone out there on meds. I have just given up a great deal of my life to be true to my sexuality. I've had family disown me. I've had employers belittle me. I've had basic rights denied me. All because of my sexuality. And I cannot fathom forsaking that part of myself just now. So I manage my depression through connection with myself and working out. <laughs> I mean, thanks. <laughs> Styling my look and going all in on some high-end hygiene products. This might all seem simple and bougie, but these activities require that I connect with myself and give me an opportunity to exercise control. I also make sure to maintain relationships with people I consider family because those connections invite me to feel loved. When I feel myself move up that depression scale, I have a meme that I shoot out to my people that lets them know to check in on me. It doesn't mean that they are responsible for my safety or anything like that, more so to let them know that I could use some support. They spring into action with lunch plans and phone calls, nights in, and even nudes. <laughs> The last time I had a spike in my depression, I made a public post about it on my professional Instagram, which a number of my frisky friends happened to follow. I was overwhelmed with support of boys I have dominated and humiliated over the years. <laughs> they flooded me with nudes and kind words. I miss you and that dick, daddy. <laughs> Y'all, hoeing is literally saving my life. <laughs> I felt so connected that my depression did not stand a chance that time. It moved from a seven on the scale all the way down to a zero. It's hard to imagine killing yourself when a twink tells you he's going to hop on cam and do whatever you want. I know you sick perverts know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love you. Hmm. Now, challenges in the world of romance and eroticism can easily stir up a depressive spike in my mood, which can make the feels that much more difficult to embrace. When they come a-knocking at the door of my heart, it's like a horror movie. I'm like, don't open that door, you dumb bitch. He's going to hurt you. <laughs> but one guy got me to do just that. Austin. Not his real name, because not every bitch likes to have all their business laid out in front of an audience, like moi. Before we get into our relationship, there is a disclaimer. 
I would ask that you suspend any judgments that might come up for you and instead invite curiosity to guide your thoughts. This relationship that I'm talking about tonight was less conventional. There was 16 years between us to be exact. See, I told you the inclination to judge might pop up for some of y'all. But from my perspective, if a person is old enough to take on massive student debt and join the armed forces, then they know what dick they want to suck. So, I was scrolling Grinder one night, and I see this. Yes. You Judge Judy's are like, okay, maybe, maybe I get it. Just as a sex-positive reminder, I did get consent to share this picture with y'all tonight. I am never one to be shy, so I shoot him a message, and we chat some. He is charming and bright, so I ask for a picture of his face. Most people don't like my face, he says. Most people are idiots, I reply. He LOLs, and then bloop, there's a picture on my phone of the most precious face. Quickly, I send back my favorite selfie. Yes. Yes. Yes, he likes it too. So we chat some more. Turns out he's from a small town in Texas where his family was the only Asian family for miles. So for much of his life, he had to deal with an unyielding amount of racism, which combined with being gay has caused him to have depression as well. We friended each other on Facebook and the fun spark of a new connection quickly faded. And then a few months later, I get a happy birthday DM from him on Facebook. Girl, we all know what that means. (laughs) Being new to this, he was hesitant to explore. I invited him to come over and assured him that hanging out would not obligate him to do anything with me. So he comes over, and we're talking for a while, and it's great conversation, and there is sexual tension. Being the bold bitch that I am, I asked if he would like to make out. He says yes, because of course. And we ended up having sex, getting consent each step of the way. My depression at this point is a negative two. (laughs) Little did my libido know what she was starting. Being a gay bee, there were many things that Austin had not yet experienced, like telling his family system that he was gay. He was fortunate. He had me as his personal gay guide. I took him to his first gay club, to his first pride march, cleaned him up after his first three-way, and patiently, (laughs) true with my husband, and patiently helped him after his first exposure to an STI. That last one was rough because it happened after the first night we met. A partner called me to tell me he popped positive for chlamydia, and I had inadvertently exposed my new young beau to it. So I called Austin, and he flipped out. And I assured him that it would be okay and that I would help him get treatment, yet he fell into a shame spiral. Our culture has an irrational stigma about STIs, which is only amplified when you're a man who loves men. No, well, she about to, trust. This stigma truly amazes me. First of all, most of us were conceived because people had sex that made them vulnerable to STIs. Also, sexual connection is just another risk, and we do risky things every day, like drive a car. 
Thirdly, if you hooked up with someone and got the flu, you might be really annoyed or even angry, but you wouldn't likely feel dirty. Shame is somehow uniquely reserved for the viruses and bacterium which cause STIs. And the ironic thing is that stigma about STIs keeps many people from managing their sexual health, which only leads to the spread of STIs. But back to the story. (laughs) Austin worked through his fears and got treatment, and our connection survived that first challenge. We hung out more had more sex, and text it constantly. And then one day, it hit me. I had the fucking feels for him. Fuck. (laughs) Fucking a young person is much different than loving a young person. (laughs) Even for an expert in relationships. Seven semesters of graduate school and countless hours with clients had not fully prepared me for what was about to come my way. I am loving in my own way, but to let someone into my heart where they can fuck shit up? My experiences with Christianity taught me to be cautious of who I allow to be close to me. He was worth it. We decided to date and began to see each other once or twice a week. I knew I wanted him to have freedom to experience college life, so I encouraged him to date and hook up with others as well. I mean, let's get real for a minute here. Can you picture my bougie ass drinking some fucking punch out of a trash can at a frat party? (laughs) Gross. I didn't even do that shit when I was an undergrad. He could do that with plenty of college friends. And for a while, our setup was pretty much bliss. We'd have great dinner, have great sex, hang out with my husband. A girl had it all. All the while, I was a support to my boyfriend. His depression would kick up, and I would help him manage it. On three separate occasions, I picked him up from his apartment because he felt self-destructive. I encouraged him to utilize therapy, knowing it would help him. Once, while in a depressive episode, I sent him some fresh cookies. I can be sweet like that. My own depression kicked up to an eight shortly after that, and he showed up at my place with cookies, just like I taught him to do. (laughs) I ate cookies off of his naked body, and afterwards, (laughs) we fucked my depression all the way back down to a two. All that connection and cum, Mm, it was great. We had a wonderful time together, and the security of our connection led to his own individual growth. He eventually came out to his family, and we had a coming-out party for him. I was seeing the fruits of my labor and loving him when one day he started to seem distant. It turns out a guy he'd been seeing wanted to date him exclusively. Fucking monogamy. Dragging my ass up the depression scale to a goddamn seven. He didn't communicate with me directly, about his feelings. And then one night, we had a challenging discussion about it. I ugly cried so damn much. He decided that our relationship was important to him and advocated to maintain it, which his new partner hesitantly agreed to. My depression went back down the scale to a four. I did notice, though, a shift in our connection, and that was hard to deal with. Suddenly, new relationship energy was all up in my face. And because my boyfriend was unsure of how to date outside of me, he would often ask me for dating advice. That was tough. 
Eventually, the guy Austin was seeing was out of the picture. Not really being more than monogamous himself, he lined up another relationship and left. Austin and I got our relationship back on track, which was lovely for a while, and then came more of that weird-ass distance. Motherfucker. Pushing me up that scale into a six. Another guy had become interested in Austin. And again, instead of communicating with me directly, he let his actions speak for him. Austin was scared that being more than monogamous would keep this guy from dating him, and he wanted to hold on to this one. And in all fairness, this guy is very cute, kind, and lovely. Austin decided that he would try monogamy with him, and I was crushed. Like 8.5. Our year together was up. It hurt that I could invest so much love and time in him only to be left. And in reality, this is the fate of all relationships. Someone leaves. Either they leave the relationship, the state, or the earth. All connections come to an end eventually, so the only thing that we can do is value them for as long as we get to have them. At the time, I was furious because Austin knew his avoidance would activate my depression. I had explicitly told him when he tried dating the other guy. But Austin was young and still working on learning how to communicate directly. I took a break from being in his life, which was hard to do. I nursed my bruised ego and then eventually reconnected with him as a friend. This was all good enough. And then one day, Austin noted that his new boyfriend would be spending a semester studying abroad, and they might open their relationship, meaning we could date again. Excited, I held out hope and treated them with oodles of kindness. For weeks, Austin reassured me that he would talk about opening up with his boyfriend. And then one day, seemingly out of nowhere, Austin told me that he himself did not want to open his relationship. I was bumping up against a fucking nine. I let him know that I had to step out of his life again and that his lack of thoughtfulness for me was too destructive. Then after a few weeks, I get a drunk text in the middle of the night. He apologized for hurting me and spewed his self-hatred onto my phone. He was at a nine as well. I assured him that I didn't want him to hurt himself and told him to connect with me when he sobered up. Then fucking days passed, and there was no communication, and I was enraged. I told him how painful it was to experience all that he had put me through and that I could not be in his life, not even as a friend. I wish I could tell you that everything worked out okay, but that shit only happens in fairy tales. Lucky for me... I'm a fairy, and this is my fucking tail. <laughs> I was out of his life for months, and I truly missed him. While on a trip with my husband, I was reminded of a 30-year friendship my husband's uncles had lost due to unresolved pain and decided that I didn't want that for myself. So plot twist, Austin wasn't the only other motherfucker who could grow more. Yeah. He was just learning how to be the best version of himself through these ups and downs. And as a bonus, our love helped me have even deeper relationships with my friends and husband. He did eventually open his relationship, and we have been casually dating ever since. To this day, we're still dating. <laughs> At the end of the day, I am one proud-ass parent of a gaby. 
I don't know what will happen to our relationship once Austin graduates. I do know that we will forever be grateful for our time together. We wouldn't be the wonderful people we are today without each other's help. Depression is a tough thing, y'all. And I know some of y'all are struggling with it, too. And I just hope you hear this from me. Just know that as much as I would understand if you could not continue on in this life, I and other people would miss you terribly. We are in this together, my beautiful babies. So take a moment and let folks around you know that you are glad that they are here tonight because we do not know how hard it might have been for some people to make it to this point in life. Let's all come together and connect. Thank you. Adam Maurer is a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist who works with clients from a sex-positive perspective with a focus on helping the LGBTQ plus community, alternative sexuality, relationships of all kind, and as well as those with depression and anxiety. Adam Maurer's Me and My Gorgeous Husband podcast is about a sex-positive therapist and the person wild enough to marry him. Available wherever you get your podcasts. What you got? Give me your confessions over there. All right. So this is sort of a request um, or invitation. I confess. Can I just ask people to come watch me have sex? Is that a thing? <laughs> the, the jury has voted yes. It's a thing. You it's may do thing. that. I confess, I trained myself for months to squirt on command. <laughs> Hashtag divorce therapy. Hashtag self-care. <laughs> I confess, sometimes I look at my coworkers, Nick. <laughs> they put it in parentheses. Nick's sweet ass, and I wonder... If it's bleached or not. Curious minds want to know all sorts of things. I confess I just bought my first harness and am saddened by the lack of colors of dongs at the local sex shops. Fuck bright pinks and skin tones. Where's my perfect turquoise at? I... I mean, the stallion just got, like, a <laughs> lovely blue shade. So hit up package menswear. Did you try them? I think, I think they'll be able to get you something turquoise. I confess, I had sex with my high school English teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hope y'all discuss pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> I was settling in for that one. I was ready for something more. Yeah, I was in it. Okay. I confess, I am on a second date with someone from my church. Uh, Introduce them to your shit and see if it clicks, I guess. Is it clicking? Oh, don't. I mean, you don't have to say that, right? (laughs) 
Bebo's Confessions is recorded in front of a live audience at the North Door in Austin, Texas. Have you purchased your I Confess t-shirt, tote, or journal yet? Snag yours in our online store at bedpostconfessions.com or tag us on Instagram at bedpostconfessions so we can see how you rock our swag. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more audience confessions and for all up-to-date information on our live performances. As always, links to everything is in the show notes. Bed Post Confessions is produced by myself, Sadie Smythe, and Miranda Wiley. Our podcast production team is Mariah Gossett, Mike Moody, and Permanent Record Studios. And we know you want to confess. Tell us what you like about the podcast in a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep confessing. Thank you.